the book of Luke, and uh, we're looking at Luke 18, in verses uh, 9 through 14. And Luke 18, 9 through 14, of course, is the uh, is the uh, parable about the uh, the Pharisee and the publican. And uh, so we'll go ahead and um, I'll read the text, so we'll have it in our minds, and then I'll have a quick word of prayer, and then I'll, we'll get right into the lesson. So Luke 18, starting in verse 9, it says, And he spake this parable on the certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Verse 13, And the publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Um, so the Lord is continuing in his instruction about prayer. And he relates yet another parable to those who were with him at this time. And he presents a, a, a parable uh, concerning a haughty Pharisee and a humble uh, publican. As always, Jesus, uh, he never taught without there being a purpose. And, of course, that purpose was always uh, for the spiritual growth and well-being of those who would uh, listen to what he had to say. And um, it kind of appears to me that Jesus had a, a, a specific a target audience uh, for this particular parable, doesn't it? Because Luke here mentions in the text uh, about a group there that was with them that uh, which trusted in themselves uh, that they were righteous and despised others. So um, definitely uh, there was um, a, a target audience uh, for, the, for the Lord. Um, you know, this is a, a notable trait of a, a self-righteous individual in that uh, they, they do. They trust in themselves. That is, they have this uh, confidence in their flesh uh, about their personal standing uh, before God. But not only do they have this confidence in their flesh about their uh, personal standing before God, but they always have this they also have this tendency to to look down upon others. Uh, uh, people who in their own eyes, they, they never seem to, to quite measure up to their standards. So these are definitely you know, some traits of, of people who have uh, have this uh, self-righteous attitude about them. You know, the Apostle Paul, in uh, dealing with um, uh, certain folks in, within the Philippian church, uh, there were some, you know, you have them in all your churches, uh, but there were also some folks in the Philippian church that had the same kind of attitude, the same kind of trusting in themselves that they they were righteous. And, uh, you know, Paul, he kind of he kind of could have, kind of could have, Paul could have uh, done the very same thing. In fact, Paul in uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4, he says, he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, 
He says, if any other man think that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, he says, I, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, uh, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, which is in law, blameless. So, you know, here Paul's saying, hey, guys, if you want to play this game of, uh, you know, who has the most confidence in the flesh, uh, hey, you know, I can play that game too. But you know what? Uh, that's a game uh, that nobody can win at. I mean, there is, that's, that's the kind of game that, that, that you can't hope to, to hope to win in that. Uh, Paul went on to say, uh, further on in the, in the chapter, he says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss uh, for the excellency of the knowledge of, of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by by faith. So you see, the only righteousness that matters is the, is the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed to us by faith. That's really the only righteousness that truly matters. I remember reading one time in, in a, um, I don't know if it was a biography or a story, uh, but uh, Charles Spurgeon once said about a man he knew, he says, he says, I always believed he was perfect until he told me so. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I think we all kind of know folks that are kind of like that, you know. Uh, They believe that they are perfect. And that's what we have here uh, with the Pharisee. Uh, Even though Jesus uh, may refer to a Pharisee in his parable, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus was addressing the Pharisees. Uh, They may have been standing by, but you know what? Uh, Jesus may also have been uh, addressing uh, one of his own disciples or some of those folks that that were following him. They may have caught this very same attitude about themselves because quite frankly, you know, Pride, we're all afflicted by pride in one form or another. It happens to all of us. In fact, in the very next section of of Luke 18, after this parable, what do we read? Uh, We read the disciples rebuking uh, parents uh, for bringing their children to Jesus. Uh, They wanted Jesus to touch their children. They wanted Jesus to bless their children. And yet these disciples rebuked these parents. That's not a very terrible attitude, to be sure, is it? So as as previously mentioned, you know, the trait of a self-righteous person um, is their is their contempt or their their open disapproval of others. Not only is their confidence in their in their flesh, but they despise others. Is is the word that, that Luke uses? Uh, the word despise is a, is a is a strong word. Uh, this is this is a word that uh, you know. This is a word that uh, you you think little of others. You you treat them as though they're they're beneath you in station and. Status in life as though they're, you know, as though they're filth, you know. And and Paul he he calls this being high-minded, uh, professing this this prideful high esteem uh, concerning uh, yourself while having very low opinions of others. And this is not a Christ-like trait, definitely not a, a Christ-like trait at all that you want to nurture in your own heart, in your own relationship with your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And I think most of us may have a Encountered uh, at one time or another, someone who may have had this kind of attitude, or, or maybe you've been made a, a target of of their um, condescension.
condescending attitude. You know, uh, they you know they kind of uh, kind of look down on you because you you just don't measure up. Uh, you know, one a man once said that uh, uh, those who look down on others end up not being looked up to by others, and so we we don't certainly don't want to cop that kind of an attitude that you know we think that we're better than everybody else and, and we kind of look down our nose at, at folks. So uh, with these two traits in mind about um, you know having this confidence uh, in your flesh that you're you're righteous you know you've got it all together and on top of that this this cruel uh, kind of contempt uh, that you hold for others uh, Jesus now begins to to address um, in this, this attitude in this parable so we see here in, in Luke 1810 uh, two men went up into the temple to pray uh, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican you know both of these men uh, both of these men went to the temple to pray didn't they uh, both of these men went to the temple to pray but what we're given here is uh, two entirely uh, different attitudes before God. Uh, Jesus uh, mentions uh, two men who went to pray, uh, but the significant difference between these two men uh, went much deeper than their uh, social status, but it actually le- uh, lay within the hearts of these two men. I mean, on the one hand, uh, we have the Pharisee. And, uh, you know, the Pharisee, they, they were the pinnacle of piety in the eyes of the people. And then we have the publican. And, you know, we've learned from our study that the publicans were the most despised in the eyes of the people. Uh, but what set these two men apart uh, before the eyes of God was not their station nor their public nor the public opinion about them, but it was their heart attitude uh, towards God. And this always sets men apart before God. Uh, The attitude of heart, that is so crucial, Uh, the attitude of heart. You know, I know we're all familiar with the story of of Samuel uh, going to the house of Jesse, right? And he went to the house of Jesse because God said that uh, one of the sons of Jesse, he was to anoint as king. And so Samuel, he saw all of these young sons of Jesse, these young men, uh, in Jesse's household uh, a parade before him and he was impressed by their stature and, and by you know by their countenance and the way they they looked but you know we know from the story that that the Lord had a, a different uh, person in mind didn't he and in first Samuel 16:7 we read uh, but the Lord said unto Samuel look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but where does the Lord look? He he looks on the heart, doesn't he? He looks on the heart. Uh, Like Samuel who was impressed with the stature and the, and the, and the countenance of, of Jesse's sons, uh, many of us look upon the superficial outward appearance, and, and we, that's what we, we uh, deem essential about people, and sometimes even about ourselves. You know, it's, it's, it's our persona. It's how, how we portray ourselves. But God, what he's looking for is what's in the heart. You know, what's, what's in the heart of a person? He's not so much concerned about how you present yourself, but what is your heart like? What is your heart like? Um, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16 says uh, uh, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might 
by his spirit in the inner man. It's the inner man that God sees, and it's the inner man that God desires to be right. Uh, Paul goes on in verse 17 of Ephesians 3. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Again, it's within the heart that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth uh, knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. So you see it's it's what's going on on the inside of you and me that God uh, sees and what God desires to be right with him. Uh, you know, honestly, sometimes I tend to focus more on the exterior uh, what people may see or what I want people to see, right? And I don't think I'm the only one that, that falls into that trap. Uh, but then, you know, I'm, I'm reminded, you know, my focus uh, should be more on what's going on on the inside. Uh, not so much what men may see, but more than, you know, what, what does God see? What, what is the inner man uh, like? Uh, is it submitted to the spirit? That, that's the more important thing. Because I believe that if the inside is right, Right, uh, then the outside will be right also. So we need to we need to concern ourselves with the heart of the matter. What's going on on the inside? So let's take a look at the prayer of the Pharisee. Uh, he says here in verse eleven of Luke eighteen, he says the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He said, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess, you know. Wow. I mean, <laughs> this guy is, he's, he's a super saint. That's what this guy is. He's a super saint. And, you know, only the Lord can pack a lot and so very little. I mean, there's a lot here in these in these two verses that, you know, we could unpack and dwell on for quite some time. But I promise I'll, I'll keep it condensed to de- down to, to two simple points, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, the first point is that this Pharisee is guilty of using what? A false measure isn't he? This Pharisee is guilty of using a false measure. What is he doing here? He's using himself as the measure of righteousness, isn't he? Sure he is. He's using himself as the measure of righteousness. Religious people who who trust in themselves that they are righteous, uh, they belong to an exclusive mutual admiration society. Uh, They set up their own particular standards. Uh, They they polish their, their own apples, and they measure everybody else by their standard. If you don't fit within my standards, then you can't be a part of my little my little group. Uh, they look at themselves as though they are the tape measure uh, by which all others are measured by. You know, Paul, he ran into this kind of uh, issue all the time when he's dealing with the churches. Uh, there were folks uh, that in the early days, and they're still around today, believe me, uh, that uh, try to foist a salvation plus works gospel on the churches. Uh, there was a class of men back in Paul's day that would exalt themselves over the others uh, because of their legalistic adherence to the law. And what they would try to do is they would try to force everyone uh, to abide 
abide by their rules. And what they were trying to do is they were trying to take over the churches, right? And they were making themselves the standard by which the people should be measuring themselves by. That's not a good situation for any church to be found in. Uh, The church in Corinth was especially problematic for Paul in this regard because the Corinthians were impressed with this kind of with this kind of individual. They were just impressed with this uh, type of person that had all of the accolades and all of this stuff going on for them. But this is what Paul said. He said in Second Corinthians ten twelve. He says, "For we dare not make ourselves of the number." or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And that's exactly what this this Pharisee was doing in the parable. He was doing exactly this. Uh, he was comparing himself against his uh, litany of ne'er-do-wells, wasn't he? Uh, he even included the publican uh, located in, in the back of the in the back of the temple. You know, you can almost almost hear the smugness dripping uh, with contempt from this Pharisee's lips as he utters, you know, or even as this publican, you know, and there's that lip curl that goes on, and no, I'm not trying to do an Elvis impersonation, I'm just trying to show you that he was just kind of sneering, because he had this high opinion of himself, and such a low opinion of the of the publican. And so this, this Pharisee in his prayer, what does he do? He, he, he adopts a condescending attitude, right, uh, as he prays to the Lord, and he begins to list uh, these these men or these these sins that he considers you know contemptible characters. Uh, he mentions extortioners, he mentions the unjust, he mentions adulterers. You know, uh, and and when he does that, what he's doing is he's elevating himself, right? He's comparing himself to these these terrible human beings, and therefore making himself uh, shine. Uh, that much brighter. It's always easy to make yourself look good uh, when you compare yourself to those who you consider worse off than you are. I mean, people do it all of the all of the time. People do it all the time. Uh, you know, all of us believe uh, we are pitch perfect uh, when we're singing our own praises. I mean, that's just that's just fallen human nature. You know, and this righteous Pharisee even goes off and thanks God <laughs> that he's not as other men. I mean, this is this is just amazing, but it, it's true. There's there are folks out there that are uh, that are like this. You know, we like to categorize sin, don't we? Uh, we 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 like to think uh, one sin is is worse than another. Uh, we even see that in our in our legal system. In the eyes of God, sin is sin, isn't it? I mean, in the eyes of God, uh, sin is sin. Uh, he mentions extortioners. Okay, uh, what is an extortioner? Well, an extortioner is 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 like a thief. He's a robber. Uh, he seizes uh, by force uh, something that doesn't belong to him from another. Uh, kind of like what this woman went through when her adversary was doing this injustice. I mean, uh, it could be this adversary w- was trying to uh, forcibly take something from her. Well, that's what an extortioner does. Uh, this is what the Pharisees were guilty of in Matthew twenty three fourteen. Uh, 
Uh, Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore ye shall receive uh, the greater damnation. I mean, this was certainly a crime uh, that the Pharisees had perpetrated against widows. I mean, they were they were taking widows' homes away from them and enriching themselves you know, buy it. And yet they would turn around and then they would make these long prayers to God. I mean, these were these were incredible individuals, incredible individuals. You know, I knew a man uh, years ago um, who um, uh, had attended a popular uh, seminar uh, that was going on at the time. And he went to one of these advanced seminars and uh, he came back uh, so prideful uh, that he actually said to me one day <laughs> that God was lucky to have him as one of his own, and I, you know I was just I was just kind of shocked when he said that. And then uh, to, the icing on the cake was uh, he proceeded to inform me how more superior he was uh, to all the other Christians uh, that he knew, you know. And I'm thinking, my goodness, uh, you know. Isaiah 42.8, the Lord says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, uh, neither my praise to graven images. You know, this kind of pride is uh, nothing short of self-worship. And, and one can actually uh, make, uh, make a, an idol out of your own self if you have this kind of attitude. So, you know, what this Pharisee was doing, he was, he was extorting glory from God and giving glory to himself. That's what he was doing. He was extorting glory from God and giving glory to himself. So yeah, he was an extortioner, wasn't he? Uh, And then it goes on and he mentions the unjust. Uh, The unjust, these are um, deceivers. Uh, These were men who would cheat others. Uh, This is what an unjust man was. Uh, A verse that uh, Ron uh, Casson quotes often is found in Proverbs 11.1. 1. A, a false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. You know, uh, once again, this was a charge that the Lord had leveled against this this class of men who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Uh, they were also unjust. In Matthew 7, uh, verses 11 through 12, uh, But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. Uh, and he, ye suffer him no more to aught for his father or his mother. So in the name of piety, uh, what these men would do, is that they would cheat their own parents uh, from uh, financial aid, from financial help. I've read from some sources where this uh, core band that they practice uh, was nothing short of a uh, sanctified money laundering scheme uh, where they would uh, dedicate a, a certain amount of money to the temple and therefore you know, it would be sanctified you couldn't use it to, for anything but yet these guys uh, could turn right around and take that very same money and use it when they needed it for themselves so yeah it wasn't a good deal they were unjust men 
Uh, they say that the most uh, deceitful are those who are self-deceived. And this man, uh, being self-deceived about a standing before God, uh, certainly cheated himself uh, out of a blessing from God. He cheated himself out of being justified before God because he was too busy justifying himself before God. The other thing that he mentioned was adulterers. Uh, We know what an adulterer is. An adulterer is uh, someone who is guilty of infidelity in a relationship. Again, uh, the the Pharisees uh, were these... Uh, pious men were guilty of the very same thing. In Matthew, or Mark 7:13, he says, uh, "Making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye." You know, by exalting their traditions and additions to the law, uh, these men proved unfaithful to God's word while they were embracing uh, their traditions. Uh, that's what self-righteous legalism uh, seeks to do. It seeks to uh, place men under the authority of religious men who add to the Bible and exalt their opinions and their traditions over the Word of God. And they do this in order to position themselves uh, to have control over men's lives. You know, Peter in 1 Peter 5.3, he refers to this as lording over God's heritage. Uh, what is a heritage? A heritage is something uh, like an inheritance. And and God's heritage, you're talking about something that belongs to God. That's what you're talking about. So what these these types, through their deception, uh, they steal away Christ's bride for themselves. Uh, This, again, is is one of the matters that Paul fought against in the churches that he helped to establish. He he saw prideful men uh, seeking to gain hold of of the members of these churches. In 2 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, he says, Would to God ye would, you could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. He says, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, least by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see, there were these men who were infiltrating the church, and they were seeking to steal away the bride of Christ and place her under this legalistic system that would hold her under bondage. In 2 Corinthians 11.20, Paul continues, he says, For ye suffer, if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. You know, a lot of these guys are like an abusive husband to the churches because of their legalism. Uh, A legalistic ministry uh, breeds death. Uh, Pastors who major on rules uh, keep their congregations under a cloud of guilt. The message often heard from the pulpit is that they're not good enough or they don't do enough. And what this does, it, it robs them of their joy. It robs them of their effectiveness in witnessing for Christ. And what it does, it keeps them under bondage under bondage to a disapproving pastor. That's that's like an abusive husband in a relationship. With many pastors of this legalistic bent, it's not Christ's church. 
It's my church. I don't know how many times I've heard that from from legalistic pastors. It's my church. It's my church. So what they're guilty of is spiritual adultery because they're taking to themselves a bride that does not belong to them. So the first issue with this man was that he measured himself against others, uh, listing those that he believed were the worst of the worst. You know, self-righteous folks, they love their lists and they love making comparisons. Uh, Perhaps uh, they should check out uh, God's list and take heed uh, what's at the top of God's list. Uh, Where is God's list found? It's found in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Uh, That's one of the lists that you'll find in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16. uh, This is what what is written. He says, these six things does the Lord hate. Uh, Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. At the top of the list, a proud look. Pride is at the top of the list. And pride is is the heartbeat of this self-righteous attitude, and it is this pride that breeds a contemptible heart uh, toward others. You know, it's interesting to me, if you count them in this passage here in Luke 18, uh, you're going to read where this Pharisee uh, uses the personal pronoun I five times. Five times he uses the personal pronoun uh, I. You know, I recall reading someone else in the Bible uh, who mentioned five times the same personal pronoun I. Yeah. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, it was, it was uh, Lucifer, you know. Five times he said, I will this and I will that. Now, uh, let me ask you guys a question, and I know you can't answer me, uh, but let me ask you a question. And I know you guys know the answer to this. Who is the true standard in regards to righteousness? Is it, is it you? Is it me? Is it Pastor Brian? No. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? Yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ is the, is the standard of righteousness. Uh, Ephesians 4.12 says, uh, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jeff Trude. No, it doesn't say that. It says the fullness of Christ. Christ is our standard. Uh, Instead of measuring ourselves with others, how do I measure up to the stature of the fullness of Christ? I think that's the question that uh, we should be asking ourselves. So so the second thing here is uh, not only did he measure himself uh, using himself as the standard of righteousness, He also uh, used what he did. He used his works as a standard of righteousness. Notice what he says here in verse 12 of Luke 18. He says, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You know, self-righteous religious people who trust in themselves, uh, they're very zealous in measuring their service and ministry. Uh, they, they, they love to, to measure it and, 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 and count it. Uh, they like to, to do that. It's, it's, it, it's, uh, 
it's easier really to measure what one does and what one does not do. And it's not that easy to measure uh, the internal transformation that's going on uh, with these self-righteous religious people. Uh, the legalists will often measure what they do and, and do not do, and they will often boast about it to others. They like to brag about their works. They like to brag about what they've done and, and what they haven't done. You know, the law only required one day of fasting, and that was on the Day of Atonement. But yet the Pharisees, they went one better. They fasted twice a week. I think... Uh, I read one guy said it was a Tuesday and a Thursday that they would fast. And on top of his fasting, he also boasted on his giving, again, going above what God required. Uh, you know, self-righteous folks, they, they often boast about their deeds. Uh, and they even, they even harbor an expectation of some sort of compensation from God, right? Uh, they, they, they do all these good works, and they expect God to reward them as though God owes them uh, uh, for their good works in some way is indebted to them. Uh, A lot of times with these uh, self-righteous folks who have this uh, confidence in in the flesh, their relationship with God is not one based in grace, but in merit and reward. And what a miserable way uh, to live uh, for the Lord. Yeah, their relationship is, is not based in grace, but it's in merit and, and reward. Uh, self-righteous people love to preach about themselves, and they love to glory in their achievements before others. Uh, this certainly is an attitude uh, that goes contrary to what the Lord uh, had taught in the previous chapter. You remember what he said in, in Luke 17.10? He says, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which which are commanded you say we are unprofitable servants we have done that which was our duty to do it's it's humility that the lord is looking for it's humility that the lord is looking for so he he measures him he's using himself as the standard of righteousness he's using his good works as a measurement and it also brings me to the second point about the pharisee uh, the pharisee is guilty of a wrong focus He's guilty of a wrong focus. Notice what it says here in verse 11. Uh, The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Uh, Prayed thus with himself. I think Jesus said this because uh, I don't think God was listening. Honestly, I don't don't think God was listening to this prayer. I mean, just because a person uh, sits in the front row of the church, that doesn't mean they're any closer to God. And that's the same way with this this Pharisee. I honestly don't believe it's too big of a stretch to imagine uh, that this Pharisee was close to the front as as much as possible, while the publican remained in the back in some obscure corner. I mean, what a a pregnant comment this is. Uh, where it says the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. Uh, He may have said uh, God's name once, uh, but you know what? Uh, His prayer was all about him, wasn't it? It was all about him and his prayer. Uh, This man did not uh, so much go to the 
temple to pray to God as he went to the temple to inform God how good he was and how worthy he was to be blessed by God. I mean, his focus was totally on himself. Uh, and the only other time that his focus was temporarily diverted from himself is when he may have looked over his shoulder and, and compared himself to the publican. Uh, you know, that was what that may have been behind him. And he only did this to cast himself in a better light. I mean, this man even goes, a, goes so far uh, to, to credit God uh, with something that, that God, I think, would not uh, approve of, would even abhor. He says, he says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. I mean, this man is, is boasting about his righteousness, and he's thanking God that he has reason to boast about himself. I mean, my goodness, uh, plainer words of a thank, thankless thanksgiving could hardly have been other, uttered than, than what this Pharisee had just done. Uh, this Pharisee had just proclaimed uh, they ha- that he had behaved better than what, than what God himself had required, uh, giving lip service to God, but really taking all the credit and, in effect, uh, placing God under obligation to himself. Wrong standard coupled with wrong focus results in wrong motive in his prayer. Uh, There was no contrition. There was no humility in this man's heart before a holy God. Only prideful boasting and and disdain uh, felt toward his uh, fellow man. Honestly, the only love expressed by this Pharisee was a love of self. There was no expression of love for God. There was no expression of love for his fellow man. It was all about him. That's where his focus was. That's where it, that's where it was. It says that the Pharisee stood and prayed. Uh, honestly, the ground that this man stood on was unholy ground. For it was ground, it, it was ground of self-righteous congratulations instead of ground where one would remove their shoes uh, because you're standing in the presence of a holy God. Uh, this kind of reminds me of the prayer that the Lord had taught his disciples uh, back there in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. We studied it. Um, uh, the Lord's Prayer. It says, uh, Jesus said to them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. We begin prayer by hallowing God's name, right? Uh, With this Pharisee, uh, there was no praise for God. Uh, There was no worship of God. There was no honoring or hallowing of God, uh, his name or his person. Um, This is also a notable trait among uh, the self-righteous people. Uh, They may give lip service to God, uh, but their true focus is to exalt themselves before others. And and that's where their focus is. They want everyone to know what they have done and how great they are. Uh, He addresses God one time. But yet he speaks of himself five times. Uh, This Pharisee kind of sounded like a puppy dog when you step on its tail, right? I, 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 you know, that's 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 what his prayer uh, was sounded like. Um, So with this Pharisee, there was no reverence for God uh, because he reverenced himself. Uh, He was in such a hurry to hallow his own good name and works that he omitted hallowing the name of God in his prayer. 
So that's the publican. So we now turn to the to the prayer uh, to the prayer. Uh, that was the Pharisee. Now we turn to the prayer of the publican. In Luke eighteen thirteen, it says, "And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. So where the Pharisee is the pinnacle of piety in the eyes of the public, here we see the publican, uh, the one most despised by the public. Uh, here we read a glaring contrast between the prideful uh, Pharisee and this contrite uh, contrite publican. You know, it's interesting to me when I when I was reading this. It's interesting to me that that with the Pharisee, uh, the emphasis is on what he said. Okay, while here with the publican, look at this. It's not. It's it's more on how he said. Uh, what he said, and 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 what I mean by this is when I, what I noticed here uh, is that when the Lord presented the publican in this parable, uh, the Lord said more about the man's body language than what this man actually prayed, asking for mercy. Do you see that? Uh, with the Pharisee, it was all it was all verbiage, but with the publican, what we're seeing is it's all body language. It's all body language. Uh, body language often uh, communicates what's in the heart uh, better than what we say with our tongue. As an example, in Genesis chapter 31 and verse 2, it says, And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. You see, Jacob could read Laban's body language. He could see Laban's uh, countenance, that uh, there was this distrust this distrust uh, written on Laban's faith, uh, face. So without Laban saying a single word, uh, Ju- Jacob knew that he was no longer welcome in the camp because body language uh, is really quite eloquent at times. Uh, the publican in the parable uh, said more by his body language, language about what was in his heart than the Pharisee had to say about himself with his mouth. Uh, notice, first of all, where he had positioned himself in the temple uh, where they came to pray. It says that he was standing afar off, right? Where the Pharisee was boastful and and possibly up front and center for for everybody to see. Uh, This publican, he was aware that he fell short. And so he took a place where he could privately bear his heart uh, to the Lord about his sin. Uh, the, the the publican did just as the Pharisee had done, and he stood and he prayed. But unlike the Pharisee, uh, his attitude was one of uh, penitence and, and reverence in the presence of the Holy God. Uh, the publican was not stating a case for himself before a Holy God as, as the Pharisee was doing, uh, but he was disclaiming any righteousness of his own, uh, recognizing that he fell short. And that uh, you know he he just he couldn't approach uh, get get close like the Pharisee. Uh, he was coming uh, to the Lord with a with a repentant and a contrite heart. Notice what else it says here. Not only was the publican standing afar off, look what it says here in verse thirteen. Uh, again, body language. It says would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. 
right? Uh, here we see that the, the man felt ashamed for his sins. Unlike the Pharisee who stood up there and, and boasted of his works, you know, I, I can remember disciplining my, my children when they were younger, uh, when they were caught dead to rights and they knew it. Uh, you know, when, whenever I was lecturing, I could, I could see where one was defiant as they looked me in the eye while the other was genuinely ashamed and they couldn't look me in the eye. You know, this, this shows true humility and a, and a consciousness of guilt. There was no defiance on the part of the publican as he stood there before the sanctuary of the temple. Uh, even though his eyes may have been fixed upon the ground, his heart was was looking up to heaven uh, for mercy. Uh, that's where his focus, focus was on. It, it was on a merciful God in heaven. Uh, even though his eyes were looking down to the ground, his heart was, was looking up as he petitioned for mercy. You know, when you pray, where, where is your heart fixed? You know, where is your heart fixed? Uh, the publican's heart was fixed on, on the Lord. That's where it was fixed. Notice something else that he says here, uh, Jesus, when he was talking about this publican. Again, body language. Uh, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast. He smote upon his breast. Uh, this was no light tapping on his chest. Uh, this very same word smote is also used uh, to describe uh, the men of the high priest striking uh, the face of Jesus while he was blindfolded in Luke 22:64. So when he was smoting his breast, you know, he was he was thumping it. He was thumping it. This is not a form of flagell flagellation, you know, like the one of those guys called, I don't know what they're called, aesthetics or whatever, where they they believe that if they inflict harm to the body, uh, they can bring about salvation and drive evil out. That's not what this man was doing. This was a genuine expression of contrition. It, it was a personal chastening of the true source of his troubles. What's in your breast? It's, it's your heart, right? It's your heart. That's what he was doing. He was chastening uh, the, the, the source of his troubles, his heart. You know, a similar thought is found in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 32. It says in Proverbs 30, 32, he says, If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, he says, lay thine hand upon upon thy mouth. Uh, it's the mouth that gets most of us in trouble. And the wise man says, hey, if you're getting ready to say something foolish, put your hand over your mouth. You know, put your hand over the source of your trouble to keep you out of trouble. So this man, he's, he's standing in a position of, of penitence. He's, he's ashamed of his folly. He knows he's guilty. He's personally chastening the source of his sin, which is his heart. And then after all this body language, we read, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. No grandstanding, no boasting, no making excuses or pulling punches. He admits what he is. He's a sinner. He recognizes the source of his problem, his heart, and he appeals to the one uh, he has sinned against for mercy. You know, the publican knew 
uh, that he was a lawbreaker. He knew that. First John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. He knew that this made him a sinner. He knew that God must judge sin. So he makes his appeal for mercy. Remember where they're at. They're in the temple, right? And in the temple, you've got the altar, and then you've got the sanctuary, and then within the sanctuary, what do you have? You've got the Holy of Holies. What's contained in the Holy of Holies? The mercy seat. So he's he's there in the temple, and what he's doing is he's making his appeal for mercy towards the place of propitiation, the blood-sprinkled mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, the place where God's justice is satisfied on the basis of the propitiary blood of the Lamb offered once a year on the Day of Atonement. That's what the man's doing. In essence, this man's appeal is, God, put my sin under the blood and look upon me with mercy. This is an act of faith. This is an act of faith. This is the only hope that any sinner has. First Peter 1.18 says, For as much as ye know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Romans 5.9, Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. The Pharisee exalted himself, boasted about himself. The publican looked toward the place of propitiation, the mercy seat, and by faith called out, God be merciful to me a sinner. What is what does Jesus say here in Luke eighteen fourteen? He says, I tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humble himself shall be exalted. So in closing, uh, what I take from this is uh, what the Lord had taught his disciples in that same Lord's Prayer. If you might remember in Luke eleven three, 3, when, when Jesus said, pray this, he says, pray, give us day by day our daily bread. Give us day by day our daily bread. Now you're thinking, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, let me say this. Two men went to the temple that day to pray, both seeking justification. The, the one man was justifying himself before God. The other man was asking for mercy. Uh, where the Pharisee exalted himself and placed God under obligation to himself, the publican was humble, obligating himself to God. The important thing is not what is not one's past record, uh, whether one is good or bad. Uh, the important thing is this: it's our present attitude towards God. That's what we see here with these two men: their present attitude towards God. It is every moment before God daily that presents to each of us an opportunity to have our life shaped for the future. Okay? Uh, The Pharisee prayed with a wrong motive, according to a false standard, based upon superficial conduct. And he left the temple not only not justified, 
but also unchanged. The publican prayed with admission for his guilt, in humility identifying as a sinner, and looking to the one he had offended in faith for mercy. This man, I believe, not only left the temple justified, but forever changed. You know, we can only live one day at a time. Give us day by day our daily bread. God only provides day by day. How we choose to live that day is key. That daily present attitude towards God, that day will shape our lives for the future. Satisfied with self or sustained by God's grace? It's your choice. You can be like the Pharisee, go away unchanged, be like the publican, and go away changed forever. Holy Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for these stories and lessons in your word. I pray, Father in heaven, that you would help us, that they would become a reality in our life. May we look to you, Lord God, for mercy and for grace as we seek to glorify you in our lives. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for your spirit that dwells within us and the word you have, you've given us everything, Lord, everything to, to, to enjoy a wonderful fellowship and a relationship with you. I pray, Father in heaven, that we would step out in grace and faith and embrace this wonderful relationship. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining. I do hope you were blessed with what was shared. Um, again, just a reminder, on the 14th of June, uh, we are going to meet in, in, as an ABF inside the sanctuary uh, unless you know something happens. So just kind of keep that in mind. So um, I guess that's it. So um, thanks again, everybody. I love everybody. I pray for you daily. And uh, I hope you do the same for me because I sure need it. All right, so I'm going to push this little red button. So long, everyone.